You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah Box, your host, founder and chief vision Sherpa at Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting, where we provide coaching services, consulting services, and we like to say we help, help people with big dreams busy schedules by figuring out what to focus on, focusing on the essentials and eliminating the unnecessary or the busy work that gets in the way, all so that they can lead a life that they want to experience and feel that they've been successful however they define their own success. I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset and strategy And I honestly believe without a doubt that we are each here and capable of more than we could ever imagine. And I'm personally committed to growing and living each day and my life with no labels, no limits, and no excuses. And I invite you to do the same. So on today's podcast, we are joined by Whitney Yarnell. Now, before I introduce you and tell you a lot of information about Whitney, I'm going to ask you to unless you're driving, don't do this. You can just imagine it. But if you're sitting in a room where it's safe, close your eyes. And I'm asking you to imagine something. Imagine you are working for this prestigious company and it's a dream job. It's something that you wanted and you got and you feel great about your job. Now, this particular job is on the East Coast. It's in New York City with everything that is unique and wonderful about New York City. And then you decide to take a solo vacation to the West Coast, and specifically to San Diego. And you love it. Now, that's kind of easy to imagine if you've ever been to San Diego, great weather, ocean, beaches, communities. So when you return and your vacation ends, you go back to your dream job, only instead of picking picking up where you left off and, and getting into doing the great work you were doing, you quit on a whim, move west and start a business without knowing a single soul or having previously been a business owner. So imagine doing that. Can you envision that for yourself? That's exactly what today's guest, Whitney Yarnell did. Yarnell did. She moved and then founded Sojourn Healing Collective. And that is a sacred healing space created for people to come as they are, align with their purpose, and feel supported as they grow to their greatest potential. So you got to know I love that whole concept. And it's a welcoming space where nobody would ever feel unsupported again. So those are big goals and a vision for her business. Now, today, 
Whitney is also an intuitive healer and a spiritual mentor, but her path has not always been easy. And it's certainly not as smooth as that story might lead you to believe. So we're going to learn more about that. And specifically, we're going to talk about how a personal tragedy during high school really kind of nudged Wendy off her own path and into several years of heavy depression and self-destruction. And then how she slowly began the process of self-healing at age 19 and then came to understand her intuitive gifts. She uncovered her purpose as a teacher, facilitator, and mentor. And then everything started coming together. She created the Sojourn Healing Center. So we're going to talk about that from both the perspective of an entrepreneur and then her own personal journey and the hurdles that she had to encounter and then get over. But we're also going to talk more in depth about what she learned about finding life's purpose and her personal calling and becoming an entrepreneur and about getting started, taking risks, seeking out mentors, and the importance of dedicating money to personal development and growth each year. I know it's a lot of topics. Hopefully we'll get through all of them. Whitney is super interesting. So now let's welcome our guest, Whitney Yarnall. Hi, Whitney. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Um, first of all, let me congratulate you on reaching your three-year business anniversary. That is a big milestone in business. Um, and I know we're going to talk more about your business in the podcast, but I wanted to acknowledge that right off the bat because that's that's an accomplishment. Um, and you. Yeah. And in today's economy and all the changes that have been going on, it's not necessarily an easy accomplishment. But I want to start out by asking you what I ask most guests, and that is, is there a non-negotiable ritual or habit you do every day that really keeps you focused and heading toward your own big vision and dreams? Yes, absolutely. So I commit to spending some time meditating every day. And I know that seems you know sort of generic. A lot of people are doing that these days, but some days it looks way different than others. Some days it's traditional seated meditation other days it's going for a run and and moving my body and meditating in that way and listening to my breath could be yoga one day so just using my intuition to guide me whatever type of meditation i need that day that's my non-negotiable to start my day and what has that allowed for you in your life it creates space to you know create a day and a life that I really desire. So it, it sort of washes away the past and allows me to get clear on what's really important that day and with my own intuition. Thank you for that, because that is pretty powerful instead of just getting into the grind and assuming that this day, this moment has to be like the last. Will you start back in your teenage years? Will you share with us really what that tragedy was and how it plunged you into that despair and depression? Absolutely. So when I was uh, in high school, I fell in love with a, a man that I worked with. Um, if you can imagine a 16-year-old, you know, first love. And we've been together about a year. And um, he ended up tragically passing away. And so that experience really shook me. It was not my first experience with loss or death, but it was uh, probably the most powerful one that I had had at that point. So it was someone that I spent many days with and, and really believed that I was going to spend my life with. 
So, you know, being a teenager and dealing with all, all of the normal hormones and everything that comes up in your high school years, you know, I, I went to alcohol and drugs and just got really depressed and went down this rabbit hole and I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I just knew that I had to um, numb that pain that I was feeling from that loss. How long a period was that for you, Whitney? It was about two years before I really uh, picked myself up and, and didn't look back. Um, it was, you know, a process of trying to pull myself out of it and then falling back and, you know, going back and forth. And I wouldn't say that I suffered from addiction or anything like that, but it was more so, you know, really wanting to be in, in my pain and, and be seen suffering. And once I was able to really move through that and be with my, my pain and my sadness, then I was able to say, hey, this is not the path that, that I signed up for in this lifetime, and I'm going to have a meaningful and powerful life. So then how did you, I mean, that's one thing to make that decision that you're going to have a meaningful and powerful life. What did you do or... Um, what happened, I guess, to give you hope or connect you to move forward in your healing into that next meaningful and powerful life? Well, at the time I was graduating high school, I believe I was 18, and all my friends were going to college and I had applied and been accepted and, and all of the things. And I just decided I wasn't quite ready for it. So I deferred. I took a year off. And I had planned to travel and kind of find myself, but I ended up staying in my hometown and getting a restaurant job and, and all that and nothing exciting. And then I, it was really just one day I woke up and I was not happy with my life and I knew everyone else had moved on and I, was, I wasn't going to be seen in, in my sadness anymore and I, I wasn't going to be acknowledged for that. And I had to mother myself into finding a new way finding my path. And so I, I had deferred from college and I, I was able to go the following year. And so I signed right up and I committed to going. And that was really how I, I figured I would re-enter, you know, society and my age group and, and do that and see how that would lead me, where that would lead me. That's where it started. And did you st- complete college there or did you would shift before then? I did. I completed college in Rhode Island at Johnson and Wales University. I studied international hotel and resort management, which was at the time my passion and sort of all I had known. I worked in a fine dining restaurant and very service-based space. So that was what I wanted to do and I wanted to travel. And, and so I had that international passion And I actually graduated overseas in Belgium at the end of my bachelor's degree. So then you moved back and you, did you move to New York at the time? I I had a little stop in my hometown uh, with my parents because I I literally traveled until I ran out of money. (laughs) And so I had to go home and collect myself and figure out where I was, where I was going to land so I, I stopped, you know, back home for a few months and then figured out how I would move to New York, uh, how I would, you know, finance myself for a few months at least until I could get on my feet there. Um, so, yeah, there's just a little pause in between. Okay, so now let's jump forward. You're working in New York and 
um, living there. And how long have you been there before you took this solo trip west? I had been there over three years. I believe it's three and a half years. So were things feeling on track to you? You know, in some ways they really were. And I, I had been through a couple rounds of promotions at, at my job. And I went through a whole management training program within the company. And I was on track to get another promotion. And I was just feeling like something was missing. And I had been dabbling in some self-healing work and, and seeing an Ayurvedic practitioner and learning Reiki and all of these holistic things uh, because I had realized early on that you know traditional Western medicine and, and medication wasn't the solution for me personally. So I'd been dabbling in that, all that work and it w- became a passion of mine. And when I t- decided to take my trip west, uh, there were a few places that I really wanted to visit over here. And so, yeah, I just had, I had to make it happen. I was feeling burnt out and I needed some inspiration. And, and that's what led me to California. Okay. So this is what I'm curious about. What were the places that you felt drawn to? Here you are in New York, busy, speedy, never shuts down, you know, tons of stuff happening. What, where were you being drawn to intuitively? You ended in San Diego, but were there stops in between or was San Diego one of your first stops? There were stops in between. I, I uh, flew into San Francisco, spent a few days there. And um, I, you're probably familiar with Sausalito. Very familiar. That had always been on my list for some reason. <laughs> so I spent some time there, you know, in coffee shop and I found a little crystal shop over there and, you know, spent some mornings um, walking across the bridge. Um, and then I had a friend in Orange County, just south of LA, and decided I would stay with her. She was a high school friend who saw me at those low times and, you know, really held me through that. So I wanted to see what her life was all about. And then I ended in San Diego where I knew nobody. There wasn't anyone expecting me. And I I had heard about San Diego and actually was getting all these emails about, I don't know if you've ever gotten those uh, flight emails about, I think they're from United. And it, it literally says in the subject, San Diego is calling. (laughs) <laughs> and so when I was planning my trip, I kept seeing that. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. I'll end in San Diego and I'll fly back from there. That's great. Yes, I have seen those emails. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm pretty sure they're calling me too. You know? <laughs> and I just need to pick up the phone. So you landed in San Diego. You didn't know anybody. And so you were there for how long? I believe it was about a week, maybe just under a week that I spent um you know, walking along the beach and I got a surf lesson while I was there. And it was a really beautiful experience. And I had felt so much space that I didn't feel in New York at the time. Um, You know, New York is a busy, busy place and you're bumping into people and there's always crowds. And I just felt like I could finally feel a little bit of freedom that I had been seeking along the way. Did you feel like you had landed somewhere that you had meant to be? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's really how it felt. Like it was, it was a fit and there was no question in my mind that I had to be there. Those are interesting moments. You know, you just have that. And I had that unexpectedly where I live now in Northern Nevada, which I never would have thought of because I grew up in California 
the last place I'd lived was on the coast in, you know, the central coast. And I came here and I just remember one day I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, oh my God, it is almost always sunny here. The sky is clear and open and I need this space, you know? And I thought, well, isn't that a strange thing? But it was like one of those things. And and I, it was so profound. I sat through a red light and even more profound, there were people behind me and not one of them honked at me. And I'm going, oh my okay, this is a bizarre place where drivers aren't going, wah, wah. So, I thought, yeah. okay, I think I need to be here. But it was, but it was one of those things I'm going on. Okay, I get it. You know, the high desert, the mountains are right there, all of that. And I love the ocean, you know, so I keep family. I have family and friends that I go visit. But I just, I, that's why I asked you that question. Did it feel like you landed in a place that had been calling to you? Because sometimes that's just so you know it, right? So, but that's still visiting somewhere and feeling comfortable there and loving it is different than uprooting a job and security and then coming back out west to start a business. So how did you make that jump? And was it instant? It was fairly instant. I remember I was having a taco over in Pacific Beach. <laughs> um, and I I was like, I'm just going to call my parents and see what they think about this. You know, Not that I need their permission or anything, but it's just fun to bounce it off someone. And I, I called them and they were, were both, you know, near each other. And I was like, Hey dad, I'm, I'm going to go back to New York and I'm going to give them my notice and figure out how to get out here. And there was just silence on the other line and <laughs> so much love and support from my parents, but they just did not understand why I had to be here. And honestly, neither did I. <laughs> no, but sometimes you don't want to deny that, you know? Exactly. I did a similar thing and similar, right? Kind of silence. My mom always supported me. My dad was like, I could hear the analytical, like you've got this really good job. And ironically, I was living in San Diego at the time, making way more money than most people my age. And I knew I shouldn't stay. I knew in my heart, it was not the healthy place for me to be long-term. And I, and it wasn't where I was meant to be. So I thought, okay, that wasn't quite the you know, response I expected. It wasn't negative, but it wasn't like, hey, you know, we're always behind you. It's like, okay, but consider these things. Okay, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. So, but I get a letter from my uncle, my dad's brother. He says, you need to understand that your parents um, totally are supporting you. They're thinking as parents and not if they were in your shoes. And I'm here to tell you, go get it. Do what you want to do. You'll regret it if you don't. So- that's amazing. I love that. Well, I'm glad. And, and his daughter, I said, yeah, I got that letter from you. She goes, no way he ever wrote a letter like that. I'm thinking that's because you're his kid. You know, exactly. Their, their job is to protect us and I guide know. us in the right way. So let's talk about what you learned about taking risks, because that was a risk, right? You were going to figure it out when you got back out to San Diego. But still coming back out, you came with the intention to start a business. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Had you always wanted to be an entrepreneur and start a business or was that something else you discovered on that trip? No, I had not had that idea before, but I will tell you when I was in New York, one of my first years in the city, when I was doing that like self-exploration and healing work, I was visiting different people all over the place and in surrounding states and so I had my Ayurvedic healer was in Maryland and then I would see somebody else in Pennsylvania and, and other people in, in the city. And 
I had this vision of all of those healers and those people that had helped support me all together in one space. And so that vision did come to me early on. And I just didn't know that I would be the one to create it. <laughs> Good thing you stepped up. Now, are those folks, are they still connected with you in Sojourn? Those specific people are not. I'm still close with them and, and stay in touch, but they're still on the East Coast. But I have similar practitioners that... Um, work out of our space and help facilitate workshops and healing experiences for our community. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. So I'm, when I was researching you, I want to say I was a little bit jealous that we don't have that exact model near me because I like the blend of things that you do, you know, and there are people who have similar things, but not quite the way you've got yours going. Will you talk about your center, your vision for it, your mission for it, but then really how it goes, like what people can expect if they're there. And then also after that, I want you to be thinking about what you've had to do to pivot during these times and from an entrepreneurial piece, because those are really connected in my mind. So yes. tell us more about your center. So Sojourn is a, a healing sanctuary, and I like to call it a one-stop shop for all things healing. And so it started out with that vision of um, having different modalities of healing all together in one space under one roof. Because my belief is that when we're going through, you know, trauma or negative experiences and, and trying to navigate our way out, there's no one that can really tell us or show us the way. And I don't think there ever really is. But if you are surrounded by people that are on that path as well, they can meet you where you're at and you can see what resonates with you. And it's never going to be the same, you know, um, recipe for everyone. So we offer, uh, it has turned into be more of a yoga studio and a um, meditation center. So we offer daily yoga, meditation, sound healing, and breath work practices. And we also offer Reiki, crystal healing, um, acupuncture, and healing workshops and trainings to become one of those facilitators as well. Um, so it's, it's a really beautiful space and it's an incredible community of supportive people like I mentioned before, you're just met where you are on your journey. There's no, nothing that you have to be or, or know to be in our space. It's just feeling like a big hug from the space around you and the people that you're with. Is any of the work that you do virtual or is it all on site? Uh, before COVID-19, it was um, primarily all on site, but we have uh, tremendously pivoted our business and now we offer both live stream classes and healing offerings, workshops as well, um, as well as in person. Some of them we have to do separately, but some classes we have live streamed at the same time. And then we also have an on-demand uh, platform that we just recently launched for people that are looking to develop a meditation practice or a yoga practice. Um, so it has 
all of those different things on it and you can play it at any time from anywhere you know, whatever you're craving that day or whatever you'd like to explore I could see the influence of your own daily ritual like okay what's my intuition telling me where's the what's the right place for me at this time so I would imagine the on-demand is a great addition and also it means that no matter what time zone someone is in they can be part of you you know your community that's exactly right and it, it I had some hesitation you know creating that because I'm I like live experiences it's just what I've always been drawn to but we had a few people from the community ask about that and so I said you know I, I don't know what will support people the most. And so I started asking more and more people and they all said, yes, I think that would be an incredible addition to my practice. Maybe not the only thing that I do, but then I could wake up and do it at my own time. So what have you learned about taking risks and how has that influenced your business practices and how you approach life? I have learned that the universe truly does reward those who take risks. And sometimes it doesn't always feel or look that way. <laughs> we have an idea in our head of what we expect things to look like when we, when we take a risk. And um, it doesn't always work out that way, but it, everything is a gift and it will open you up to more and more, the more, that, more courageous you can be with your life and with living an intentional life and being of service to other people. That's really what I've learned. You, you will not fail if your intention is to be of service and to live your truth. So when you say living with intention and the purpose to serve, does that mean doing the kind of work you do? Or can you serve in any capacity? How, how could people right where they are without making, not moving coast to coast or making huge changes, how could they start to become more intentional and um, think about their life from a viewpoint of serving? I think it, it starts with the mindset. And I know what that feels like because, you know, I've been stuck in, in jobs before that I, I knew there was something better, something else I was meant to be doing. But sometimes we have to just accept where we are before we're given, you know, any next steps forward. Um, so I think just shifting your perspective, every single one of us is serving, no matter what we're doing. If you're making coffee for a living, if you're working in a corporate environment, you are being of service to everyone around you. And so I think just shifting your mindset and understanding who you are supporting, and that creates a ripple effect out into the world. So if you can do so with a positive mindset and with some grace, then you, are, you truly are making a difference in the world. You talked about this time in particular, and as being an entrepreneur, that there are so many opportunities from an entrepreneurial perspective. What do you mean by that? What kinds of opportunities are you seeing? Well, I think when things shift uh, the way that they have, you know, everything has changed from our economy to people's needs, um, to the way that we do things, there become new opportunities and new needs that the entire world has. So if you can identify what your you know, immediate community might need, your friend group, anyone around you, you might have a business idea. Okay, so now how do you do that? I heard you tell me how you did that when you started talking to people. But what if someone goes, I don't have a clue how to figure that out? You know, is it 
as complex as it might seem or you know where does where would someone start with that Whitney because you're absolutely right I mean part of it is knowing what you know what direction and stuff but how would you do that um, so I have a couple of examples that I can offer you. I would love it. <laughs> people that I'm connected with that have become, I, I call them accidental entrepreneurs, just they're trying to, you know, do something and have a, a great time with it. And it forms into a business. And one example is uh, during quarantine, there's a woman that I'm friends with and she formed a, a knitting group over Zoom. And so she would meet with, it started out just a couple of people. It was like three of them that would meet. And for example, every Thursday they'd meet for coffee and they'd knit together and they'd chat and listen to music. And so that started to snowball and people found out about it and they wanted to join it. And then people started asking, you know, how, how can, can you teach me how to knit or can you show me how to do this? And so she started creating these boxes that she would mail out to people and then they would all do it together on the call. So things like that that just start out as a hobby, you know, when, when we were in, in quarantine, it was such a unique time that everyone was looking for connection. So if you can form some type of a container where people can get together and, and uh, be seen and heard and supported, and maybe you're not compensated for that at first, but you begin to learn what people need help with. And then you begin to understand what people will pay for and what you can do to be of service. And don't you find like if you're doing something that resonates with you, I mean, you're going to be offering things that are of interest to you, right? So like she likes to knit and have friends do it with her, right? That was the beginning, like to be connected. And it went from there, but she's not doing something she does not like doing. Exactly. So, I mean, there's that, there's that energy thing again, right? I love knitting. I'm sure I'll figure out how to do it. But that's probably what drew people to is to enjoy doing that together. So there's that whole community aspect to it as well. And you know, it is, I think that's one of the great things, not that COVID is great, but the great thing about being forced to not be able to connect necessarily is you can realize how much you value it. That's absolutely right. And people are still, even though we're, you know, a little bit back into the world again, people are still craving that connection. We've gone you know, some people months without having, having that. So there's still great opportunity for things like that. If, if one of you listeners has a, a dream, just start small, start with, even if you have one person, you're helping that person and hopefully yourself. You kind of are, aren't you? Because if you're engaging with them, they're giving you feedback all along the way. You know, it's kind of like a in the field research. You've got your hypothesis, you're testing it, you adjust it. You know, and as long as you do it lighthearted where it's not like the be all end all of your life, you know, oh, this I've got to get this perfect, you can have a really good time doing some discovery. You know, interesting though, because you came out and you wanted to start a business. Um, and even though you've been visiting folks, but what has this past three years as an entrepreneur taught you about Whitney? Wow, it's taught me a lot. It's shined a lot of lights on. Um, you know, healing that I still needed to do within myself. And um, it's taught me a lot about my strengths and where I can focus. But the one thing that I, I always remember, and, and when I came to San Diego, it was sort of the, my pillar of like hope with starting the business was to surround myself with people 
that were doing big things that were steps beyond where I was or wanted to be. So it's, it taught me that to continue doing that and continue uh, surrounding myself with people that I wanted to be like and believed in and to continue investing myself in myself and seek mentorship and all of those things that have really catapulted me to the next level every single time I do it. That can feel um, intimidating for someone who goes, oh, I don't, I'm not quote unquote ready, right? I don't know that I fit in their circle. So, but it's a really powerful thing to do because we start to align our expectations for ourselves with expectations that are higher because now you see it's possible from them. So who are some of the mentors who have had a huge influence on your life? Oh my gosh, there there are many. Um, I had one who was very significant in helping me start this business, which this might help some of the listeners as well. Small Business Association, SBA, has a mentorship program and uh, they're very skilled um, and most of them have been entrepreneurs for many years. Um, so I had a mentor named Pat who was instrumental in helping me you know, stay on track and make sure I checked all the boxes of of what I had to do logistically within my business and not just energetically. And so he was very instrumental in helping me start the business. And currently my greatest mentors are uh, Chris and Lori Harder. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Tell us about them. They're in Santa Monica and they lead masterminds and business coaching courses. And they bring together really powerful entrepreneurs who are many of whom are in the very baby steps of starting their businesses. And then they have a higher tier where you're, you know, above a certain income level, but just get in these rooms with people that are, have the biggest dreams and are already taking action, maybe some, some of a messy action uh, towards those dreams, but it's connected me with wonderful people and helped me collaborate on different things. You know, I've been involved in, in other people's group programs or masterminds. I've done healing experiences for these people and, and vice versa. So it's been uh, really amazing and has helped me grow my business as well. So is that one of the reasons that you say it's important to dedicate money to our personal development each year? Yes, I think that's, it's huge. We really value the things that we pay for. And so when we get free advice, oftentimes we don't take it. <laughs> it's free. Yeah, yeah. it's free. It's a, okay. I'll, I'll come back to that later. But when you're investing and you have something at stake, your ears are open and you are paying attention. <laughs> I know I learned that so many years ago, um, running a nonprofit, right? Everything was free, but we were having these weird, like show up, you know, it got in, people wouldn't show up. I said, we should charge. I want to tell you, you would have thought I stuck somebody in the eye. They said, we don't charge. I go, we should. Even if we give their money back at the end, like we don't need it. You know, we have a grant, but before that exact thing, there's no stake in the game. So mm-hmm. it's okay to blow it off. And it's like, you don't show, we keep your money. It wasn't much. It was like 25 bucks for a period of time. And then it goes to the next person who might not be able to afford it but it helped. But I gotta tell you, people didn't like the concept of paying for things. They said, no, it's supposed to be free. We're a nonprofit. I'm thinking people need to value. Otherwise 
They know if they go to a private therapist, they're going to be paying way more than that. So it's you're absolutely correct. But you also have to have people around you, like in your community, your learning communities that are saying, no, Whitney, don't be afraid to do that. That's really going to help you help more people. So absolutely. what's next for you? Oh, my goodness. I, I feel like this has been a very difficult year to plan anything. And it's, it's taught us a lot about patience and, and going with the flow. So I'm not exactly sure. I mean, my goal for this year is, is to continue you know, growing our, our virtual classroom and on-demand offerings. And my long-term vision is to continue expanding Sojourn uh, throughout the world. Maybe that means you know, physical locations elsewhere. Or maybe that's mostly virtual, but I want to continue spreading this mission and, and helping other people feel really supported. So if someone wanted to be part of your community, whether virtually or if they're local, they want to make sure they're part of the Sojourn community, what is the best way to do that? The best way is to go to our website and find an experience, whether that's a class or a workshop uh, or a training that resonates with you and to give it a try so say your website again for people who are auditory and want to hear where to find you we'll have it in the show notes but not everybody goes to those so pretend i'm i'm that person whitney how do i find you where are you on social media in your website our website is www.sojournsd.com like san diego and our Instagram is at Sojourn San Diego. You can find us there and see everything that we're up to with our new on-demand service. We actually offer a 24-hour free trial. So you can always take a couple classes and, and see what we're all about and connect with some of our teachers there. That's really generous to do that. And it lets people kind of go, oh, I fit right in here. Absolutely. So my last question for you, and then I'm going to let you go, is what does living without labels or limits mean to you? It means living your soul's authentic truth. Perfect. Thank you. And thanks for being a guest, Whitney. I'm going to go back and check it out. I was on your website poking around, learning stuff, but now I'm going back with different eyes to look again. So thank you. And I'm going to encourage all our listeners to do that. I love your vision for having... um, centers expand no matter what that is because you've clearly manifested what you've wanted over the last few years so i'm pretty confident we're going to be hearing more about sojourn in the future thanks sarah for having me it's great to be here thanks you've been listening to the no labels no limits podcast with best-selling author change agent and strategic vision coach sarah box You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.